Okay, welcome to take two of the first ever episode of Cinema Smoketography. If you are a fan of the hookahologist, who I am, Tommy Rodriguez, your friendly neighborhood hookahologist. Son of a bitch, dude. I'm really bad at intros sometimes. I honestly think you may be the worst person to be doing the intro right now. But you know what? It's okay. Why? Because it's the first episode and fuck-ups happen. That's a true fact. True fact. Welcome to Cinema Smoketography, everyone, where we talk about hookah and movie reviews taken away from my YouTube channel, and we thought we'd do a podcast, because me and Isaac really do love movies, so we thought we'd start it off, this is my birthday month, and every year, for many years actually, I think every, almost every Spider-Man movie has come out in July, with the exception of maybe the Amazing Spider-Man movies. So, of course we started with Spider-Man Far From Home, the official Phase 3, the final entry in Phase 3, after a very long 11 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a lot to be said about this film. What can't we say about this film? Isaac, how are you doing today? I'm alright. I'm pretty excited now. We just, I'm pretty pumped for Phase 4. After what we just watched, I feel like, honestly, this could be the start of something really, really interesting. I agree. Like, you know what? I'm feeling amazing. Yeah. You know, I actually am feeling a little spectacular. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. So, Spider-Man Far From Home. First of all, we're smoking out of the Sayoka Hookah. We're having some Banana Dolce by Eternal Smoke. Great pairing, actually, today. Good choice, Isaac. We let Isaac pick the, pick the flavor. I picked the, I picked the bowl and, you know, packed it, but still. Wow, this movie. Well, what can we say about it other than... We're still... We just got out of the movie, what, 15 minutes ago? I think so, yeah. About 15 minutes, and it was such a great movie. There is no... There's no, like, bad things I can really say about this movie. I mean, there's some bad things. Okay, we can say bad things about any kind of movie, honestly. But this one here was just such a great... Great sequel to Far From Home. And it makes so much sense. You mean Homecoming. Homecoming? Oh, yeah, sorry. It's such a great thing from Homecoming. Because the... The movie of Homecoming was actually, you know, Spider-Man coming into the Marvel Universe, Cinematic Universe, because he's coming home, but it also centered around Homecoming. Far From Home is Peter coming back from Far From Home and the story of Mysterio. He's far from home and he's actually out of New York. He's, he's traveling Europe. So I think that was also really awesome. From watching Homecoming and Far From Home, the differences, I feel like Homecoming was more of like an Iron Man world film compared to Far From Home where it's more of a Peter Parker world film. And you gotta think about it though because like Iron Man basically gave everything to Peter and you see what? You see nothing but Iron Man most of the time in Homecoming except for like what the final act? Yeah, I'd want to say so. Yeah, and then it's like basically Peter Parker's just stepping into Tony Stark's world the entire time and it seems more like a Spider-Man Iron Man movie in a sense. A buddy cop movie. Yeah, in a sense like that, where Far From Home, you get more of a, this is Peter's life in high school, and I really, really like that. Like, you know, you get to see an awkward 16-year-old kid, you know, instead of, like, a 24-year-old, like, college kid. Yeah, in reality, it's, you know, Tom Holland Yeah. being a 16-year-old. I wonder if he really was that awkward at 16. I don't know. I think he might have been. Honestly, he's pretty awkward. He, I think he was overly awkward in this one compared to, you know, Homecoming. Yeah. 
compared to how he was before, like he was just like a geeked out kid trying to impress Iron Man, his father figure. Yeah. Because you know, they don't even mention Uncle Ben. And it's funny anywhere. that you mentioned the father figure thing because it plays a key part in this entire film, like the, how much it really affected Peter, in a sense, of when you know. Spoiler warning, guys! If you haven't seen Endgame, please stop listening now. When Tony died, dude, who hasn't seen Endgame? People that don't have a life. You know, people with live with no lives still find a way to see it. That's true. You know, you do make a valid point. I only speak facts, sir. I guess so. Anyways, as I was saying, it's like, what was I saying? Father figure. Father figure. And the fact that, you know, in a sense, like, basically, Tony Stark took the role of, like, Uncle Ben. Yeah, he really did. And that's just how I see it, though. Not a lot of people might not agree with it, but then at the same time, it's like... Well, that's why we're doing this podcast, because we get to voice our own opinions. Everyone has their own opinion, just like everyone has an asshole. Yes. You know, everyone has their own opinions of how they interpret these movies. I see Far From Home as kind of like a growing up story for Peter, because he has to deal with like real real trauma in everyone's lives. Yeah. How, you know, how everyone was affected by the, uh, by the blip. Yeah, and dealing with the ramifications of what happened after Thanos snapped, pretty much creating the, the term blimp. Blip. Or blip or whatever. Blip. Who came up with that? I don't know. A 16-year-old. Yeah. I'm, oh, excuse me, ma'am. He's been blipped. He's actually 16. So. That's so funny. I love... You know what I really want to say about the blip? It was actually really, really interesting how they kind of just made it seem like, oh, yeah. Everyone just... No one knew how. Everyone just kind of came back. Because in, in Endgame, you just kind of see on your left... And then Falcon comes out of the portal from you know, Wong and Doctor Strange and everything. So, to see how they just kind of back into existence kind of makes sense. Yeah. And it, it's so random. I love the scene where they're just explaining how people came back and you just see the marching band disappear. And then in the middle of a basketball game, they come back. Yeah. Like, how is this possible? Exactly. And it, it's, it's honestly kind of funny. I mean, there's no other way to go about it. I mean, they're all a bunch of kids. They're not going to understand what really happened. Yeah, and I think that they used that as they came back into existence is the funniest thing like oh what happened oh you were just blipped back into existence yep and we're just gonna pretend like nothing happened we're just gonna make you guys go through high school again when in reality like is that really the one thing we gotta care even about, though yeah? some of us already took midterms they're making us do it again <laughs> like how is that crazy like the whole the whole thing like was just it the whole beginning how the movie started as Nick Fury and Maria Hill go to see where these seismic activities were happening with all these elementals, right? And if you're not into the element, if you're not really into comic books and you only watch cartoons or, you know, see everything else, not too many people know about the elementals. Uh, Sandman, uh, Hydro Man, Molten Man, and the Spider-Man comics who play a really big role in the Spider-Man mythos. Sandman being one of the most, probably one of the first villains the first actual supervillain that Spider-Man fought was the Lizard, which we saw in The Amazing Spider-Man. So they played really big into that, and when they did the Amazing Spider-Man series, they had, you know, Andrew Garfield fight the Lizard, Kirk Connors, which was, for me, really great. And then how in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, the first major villain happened to be the Green Goblin. Yeah. 
so I thought that also was a really good way of tying everything in. And now when they did Far From Home, they did some of the they're doing some of these villains that none of us have seen for forever, but always wanted to see on the big screen, like right. um, Batman as the Vulture. Yes. Michael Keaton. Michael did, Keaton as the Vulture was an interesting take on the Vulture. I really did like the Vulture. You like, took a an uninteresting character. It made him interesting. It made him very interesting. And so, so relatable. I think what what differs between Spider-Man movies and the rest of the cinematic universe, it's more not of, you know, hey, we're supervillains. No, they're kind of put in a position where they feel cheated out of life. Yeah. And same could be said about the villain in Far From Home. Yes. Right? Because you, you see Adrian Toomes just be defeated by, what was it? It's for, it, damage control right and how he went to a life of crime right so now when we go into when we start talking about the main villain in far from home right it's just such an interesting take on how they still played off that same kind of idea where they were cheated and now that's why they're turning and to crime and you notice that who's always the culprit that they blame for that tony stark tony stark it's it's so funny that the world sees tony stark as a hero Right, he's been doing so much good, but a lot of people tend to forget that Tony Stark wasn't always a hero. He wasn't always Iron Man. He was a self-centered prick, and with showing his money and just having everything around. So I mean, that's such a big role in you know how these movies are playing out. Like, because you have Iron Man, he's coming out as a hero. You know, the Avengers and everything else, he's playing as a bit. He doesn't really take more of a villainous role until you see him in Civil War. Where he's taking the side of the government because he's trying to right all his wrongs. Instead of, you know, everything but, else. But even then, it's already too late. In a sense, all the, the shit that happened already happened. And so, you know, you get, you know, people who want revenge, you know, who want their lives back in a sense. For whatever was wrong to them, like Vulture and Mysterio. Both different reasons, but they all, in some way, click with what's going on. And to me, I noticed that I think Vulture's the only villain that hasn't died in the Marvel Universe. No, there have been others. Uh, Zemo's still alive. Well, kinda. But I mean, like... Zemo's alive, but he's not active. Killmonger's dead. Obadiah Stane is dead. Although, I really did want to see the Ironmonger in more films. Because I just thought the Ironmonger suit was just so crazy. The Whiplash, Whiplash is dead. Yeah. You know, uh, the Winter Soldier's not dead, but he ended up becoming the more of an anti-hero and becoming yeah. But in a the sense, like white the ones wolf. like nowadays, like in a sense, because it seems like they want to kill off every villain they bring in that everyone starts to like or can like relate to. I know, which is some bullshit. Yeah. Although I, I was hoping that San- Thanos' snap brought back even some of the dead characters. I, I think the only per- villain who's actually stayed alive longest is Loki. Yeah, and, and now his uh, do you you know his show on Disney Plus is gonna have him basically doing the the DC's Legends of Tomorrow look. He's going all throughout time now. Yeah, apparently that's the route they want to go with, but I don't know how they're gonna go about it. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be interesting. I have to buy Disney Plus so I can see how it plays out. And what I really did like in the beginning of Homecoming is how they honored all the fallen heroes, Captain America. Uh, Iron Man, Vision, Black Widow. Although I don't know how anyone knows that Black Widow is dead. Which probably they probably talked about it in Far From Home, like in a sense where like you gotta announce that these these heroes, excuse me, you know, pretty much sacrificed, excuse me, yeah. sacrificed 
their lives for the greater good. For the greater good. Yeah. Although Vision didn't sacrifice his life, he was just kind of killed. Well, in a sense, well, he technically did. He, well, he, he did sacrifice twice. himself. He died twice. He he's the only uh, person in the Marvel Cinematic Universe who's died twice in the same five minute span. Yes. And you know, and you, you made the comment earlier about the fact that like he's a robot or whatever. Like, how could he die? Well, in a sense, isn't basically the Soul Stone? It's the Soul Stone, right? Oh no, the Mind Stone. Excuse me. The Mind Stone is what powers him. So- Actually, that's not true. It powers his abilities a little bit. His, you know, his, his face cannon. But then again, Thanos did literally rip off his entire... <laughs> but if you remember back in Infinity War, they were ta- Bruce Banner was talking about, you're not just the Mind Stone, you're a combination of Jarvis, you're a combination of Ultron, and the Mind Stone, so there's still a lot of vision still left. Right. Which... But in a sense, I feel like he became more human. Yeah, he really did become more human, and I guess that's where... You know, it's too bad he didn't get the Soul Stone. Yeah. Either way, we're kind of getting off topic here. Yeah, no, no, well, back to Back for Far From Home. So let's talk about a little bit about the cast and crew and everything. Director John Watts comes back to direct Far From Home. And John Watts, I think, did a great job. The writer, Chris McKinnon. McKinnon? Yeah, McKenna. Sorry. Writes the, writes the story for Far From Home. And it's such a great story. And it, what I really did kind of like is Peter... If you notice, Peter kind of did like an Iron Man kind of thing. Like he was being very selfish in the beginning. Like, and if you look at Iron Man 1, like he did it for selfish reasons. Yeah, he went to be a hero to go stop what his his missiles from going out there. But it wasn't because it was the right thing to do because he wronged it. And Tony felt the need to do it just like uh, Peter felt the need to be a, a normal person. You know, it's hard to be a superhero in a... It's hard to be a kid in the superhero world when you're just granted these powers. Because in the comics, they kind of make it seem like, oh, you have to do the greater good. With great power comes great responsibility. Uh, that doesn't actually play a factor in these Spider-Man films. Not once is mentioned at all. Yeah, it's really not. like, And it's such... It, I, I think that's kind of like a bad thing. I think it's kind of overplayed in a sense. Because if you look at all the Spider-Man movies, what's the one thing they keep saying the entire time? And this is the one film, or two films actually, that doesn't actually address the fact that they use that quote. Because everyone already knows it. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of given at that point, you know? Yeah. It's like it's implied with great power comes with great responsibility. Which is... I I still kind of want to see it there because well it's what we we're so used to you know yeah. you read Spider Man comics this is what they the border the, the underlying body what Spider Man is but in a sense since we didn't actually get an origin story even though we already know the origin of Spider Man you kind of which need is the origin. great it, yeah. you know what they did a Batman v Superman kind of thing yeah where we all know Batman's story yeah. you know we all know what it's about we don't need to see it again yeah is what they did with Far From Home. And not sorry, not far from home, but homecoming. Like we already know what Spider Man's about. But I feel like, in a sense, using the line of great power comes great responsibility kind of requires you to have an origin to be used for. That makes sense. So yeah, no, I I see what you're saying there. It makes a great kind of great kind of thing, like where you already know everyone's there. You know. So what's other than that? Like Tom Holland, I think is probably the best Spider Man patrol we have so far. Uh, it's a combination of Andrew Garfield's wittiness as Spider-Man and then Peter Parker's um, and then Tobey Maguire being the intellectual part, right? Because I didn't see... Andrew Garfield in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of made it seem like he was more of a scientist, right? In Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, 
he was Toby Maguire actually was you know studying science, right? And now we see the, over now we see Tom Holland like it's a I think it's a perfect combination of the two, and like it was, I pretty much feel he was born to play this role, like it there's, some people were just made to play certain things. Yeah, like R D J was made to play Tom R- Star. Yeah, and then how Chris Hemsworth is just basically Thor. Yes, he's basically Thor. Yeah. Yeah, he really is, and it's super awesome that they're making that now. Tom Holland is, he is Spider Man. Yeah, in my personal opinion, they replace Spider Man with anyone else. It's gonna be hard to hard to replace. Kind of like Hugh Jackman. Yeah, exactly. Perfect example is Hugh Jackman. You know, everyone complained about Hugh Jackman back in the day, about the fact that oh he's too big, he'll never be a good Wolverine. But look at that, you guys want him back at Wolverine. Yeah, no, and it's so crazy now that the Fox merger is now finally coming to fruition. And guess what? Hugh Jackman is not even going to be Wolverine. And he's even openly said he was open to the idea of him being on the Avengers, but now I don't think he will. If he does, thank fucking God. But, you know, that's that's wishing, right? And what I really love what Marvel's been doing is they're casting these people as perfect representations of who they are, like the Human Torch. Chris Evans, you know, he had his redemption as a Captain America because no one, after we saw the Fantastic Four, did anyone really think Chris Evans was going to be a good superhero ever again? I mean, I enjoyed the first movie. Silver Surfer was a real, real down. Oh, we down. Yeah, it's better. What do you think is better, Rise of the Silver Surfer or Van Forstick? I'd rather watch Silver Surfer. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, the rest of the cast actually did a really good job. You know, Jake Gyllenhaal played. Mysterio perfectly there is just it goes back to like there's only certain people who can play these roles I don't think anyone else can bring Mysterio such a goofy looking character and make him seem so serious and important because I think what the problem was with most people think about Mysterio is that he's just a goofy villain but no one realizes he's such a badass in reality well in a sense yeah they made him out to be a badass which they have done with other villains that you would least expect like like for instance we talk about homecoming in a sense they didn't go with the 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 look of the vulture how they have him in the comic books basically looks like a vulture old and decrepit yes very old and decrepit and here they have him what with more like a like a like a stealthy yeah no like the version of a vulture yeah an older an older man with such great intelligence and they'll drive to just support his family yeah exactly really, and he he made a fortune dear yeah. god uh, a lot of returning characters come back in this movie samuel L. jackson is nick fury and who doesn't love nick fury he's so fucking funny uh, when he shoots ned in the neck with that dart i just started dying there were so many parts in this movie where I couldn't help but laugh. And you heard me. I was just laughing hysterically. I think it was probably because I had such a shitty day at work. That, that just made me feel so much better. Um, who else comes back? John Favreau comes back as Happy Hogan. And then he has a relationship with Hot May, played by Marissa Tomei. And it's their chemistry together is so fucking hilarious. And what's is kind of cool that she's not old, which I kind of find funny because I think Marissa Tomei is actually older than John Favreau. Is she? Yeah, she's like. I think she is. I think you're right about that. That would be really. I think that that is fucking hilarious. I think John Favreau just 
he plays Happy Hogan so well. And in the first one, he just kind of hates Spider-Man. He's like, why am I babysitting? Yeah. And in this one, he takes more of like, you know what, he's serious. And I, I've got to honor Tony's wishes and help him out. But he really feels, he's grown up, he's warm to Spider-Man at this point. You know, he's warmed up to Peter. And him and Peter have like a great, you know, relationship now. Yeah. Compared to in Homecoming, he was like, stop bothering me. Get out of here. You know, so that's also another great one. Uh, Happy Hogan comes back. Zendaya as MJ. Now, we just actually had a little conversation about this. I wouldn't be mad if she was Mary Jane Watson. Obviously, she's not, right? But the fact is, like, let's take it. Like, every, I, I think some people are going to complain that she's, that they, you know, they African American, they, they color casted her, really. Right, and everyone's like, "She's MJ. What the hell?" But it kind of makes sense. Like, and they're doing it more and more. Uh, take the Flash, for example. Uh, Iris West is, you know, white. Barry, she's white in the comics, right? So is Kid Flash. They're white, and now they're black. But I do believe nowadays, I think they changed it, where now she's black. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Now she's black in the comics, which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Which and. Same how they did with Nick Fury. Nick Fury was always white, now he's black. And they even drew him like Sam Jackson. And then Samuel Jackson comes in, he's like, oh yeah, we're actually going to approach you for to use your likeness as Nick Fury. And in the comics, he's like, if I was going to be played by anyone, it's Samuel L. Jackson. And that just thing's too funny. So I, I wouldn't mind if she was married Jane Watson, although it's a very unpopular opinion. I, I really don't care. Like, I think that she would make a very Mary, good Mary Jane. I mean, it's not really actually been addressed whether or not she's actually MJ. Her initials just are MJ. Yeah. So there's still a possibility that they might actually bring in MJ. But at the same time, it's more less than likely. So yeah, it's, it's, it's take point. what you can get at the same time. I mean, it's not like the whole Spider-Man universe needs to revolve around the relationship between Mary Jane Watson and... Peter Parker. Because, uh, let's face it, Peter gets laid by a lot of girls. Exactly. When Stacy... Uh, well, not this version of Peter Parker. Not this... Yeah, definitely not this version. Uh, so he has a relationship with Silk in the comics, too. Who else? Uh, Black Cat, until she realizes who Spider-Man really is. As you pointed out to me, she loved... She loved Spider-Man, but didn't like Peter Parker. And then cut it off and be like, oh, no, you're Peter Parker? You're... You're a geek. You're lame. Something like that. Yeah, something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, you know who I was actually really disappointed didn't have more of a bigger role was Ned. Ned was... The guy in the chair didn't even have his, like... You, you, he didn't have his moment to shine, but I just loved how he just... He tried to hook up Peter and Mary Jane and then got himself into a relationship. Within the... like within An hour of eight hours. Yeah. Within that eight hours, yeah. And that was just so... That threw everyone for a loop. Me and you looked at each other. We are just like, what just happened? That's so high school. What high school did you go to? I didn't have that happen to me. Well, I went to the same high school as you. That's fair. I didn't have a lot of friends. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Then again, that's also movie high school. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, the one person I just don't like... Yeah, which we you've clearly made. I made it very clear. I do not like Flash Thompson. Or at least, it's not the very wise, it's the actor. It's not his fault. <laughs> he was just given a role that's not exactly what you would define as Flash Thompson. Yeah, Tony Revolver... I can't even pronounce his last name. Revolver... Right? I don't, I don't know. 
Tony R E V O L R Revolvery. Yeah, O L O Revolvery. Revolvery. I, I I don't like his portrayal of Flash Thompson. I don't. Well, they went with the approach of basically Peter, uh, Peter and Flash being on the what? The, what team are they on? A science club team? Whatever. Yeah, the, the his whole high school is based on scientific technology. Cool, that's great. Yeah. You can't just make him a jock, still a smart jock. Th- those people exist, right? He's supposed to be beating up on Peter, right? Not just bullying him. Like the last couple portrayals of Flash Thompson, you know, he beat the living shit out of Peter. I would believe more of the Flash Thompson from Amazing Spider-Man to be my the Agent Venom <laughs> than... This than this guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. In all honesty, like, he's, you're right. He, it's not his fault his character was written that way. I can't fault him for that, although it just seems so out of context, like how we all know Flash Thompson as the bully who beats up on Peter yeah, Parker, not the guy who, not just player. picking on him. Yeah. And not just making, because Flash Thompson is a dick. Yes, he's a dick and star football player. He's the, not, he's the comic book jock that yeah, you exactly. see. But this isn't that type of, this is a geek bully. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day a geek would bully another geek until I saw Homecoming and I just thought it was so weird and then he's like a DJ at Liz's party he's you're trying to get all kinds of friends and followers yeah, it's funny on his he's also a rich geek which is another you know what towards the end of the movie I felt really bad for Flash and I can see why he you know he does that oh mom couldn't make it today no sir well, fuck her. <laughs> I can see that. Like, my dad wasn't around, so I always would have that kind of feeling. Like, oh, yeah, he's not here today. You know, so I can kind of relate to that. So I, I do give him a little bit of slack, but that's still, like I said, this is my version of Flash. is different from what this version is. I, I, am I mad about it? A little bit, right? But it's not, it doesn't take away from who Flash is. Someone who constantly picks on Peter. So that's another thing. So now let's get talking about the villains and the fight scenes and Mysterio. Mysterio made his first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man issue 13 back in June of 1964, right? And there were so many callbacks to Mysterio's comic book roots, but he wasn't a visual effects artist, right? He was a ro- he was a scientist, like a robotanist. Or he something. was a robotanist, and he is that how you say it? Like a robot? Yeah, robotanist. Yeah, okay. he was a robotanist, and he. What was great about this movie, which you pointed out too, is that there were so many callbacks to everything that was going on in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think that the Spider-Man films are doing that a lot better than anyone else. Yeah, everyone, there's small callbacks to certain movies or certain scenes, but Far From Home and Homecoming both hit the nail on the head of what the true after effects of what happens when superheroes get involved in things uh far from home damage control took over adrian chubbins's job site homecoming yeah exactly you get what i'm saying <laughs> homecoming adrian chubbins was you know plagued by by damage control so he had no choice he, he had a choice he chose to be a villain and make hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars i don't know how much he made he probably netted like he probably gross so much money yeah through, but through stolen tech Exactly, stolen Stark tech and alien tech. So that's another thing. 
But Quentin Beck as Mysterio, he they play it in the trailers that he is going to be a hero, which was kind of confusing to me because we all know the fishbowl villain is the master of illusion and deception, which they played that so great I couldn't even believe it. Another callback to comic books and everything else was how they even made the BuzzFeed in the film when they're talking, it was they're in Venice on the Hydroman attack. They even made it exactly like his backstory of Hydro Man himself. He was a he was working on some project and he gets trapped in a generator and gets hydro powers. Right? And that was also a really good nod before, you know, you know, Peter Parker goes to meet Quentin Beck and Mysterio as the hero, right, from another world. And they even said it perfectly. People will believe anything nowadays. People just disappeared out of existence. How hard is it to really believe that someone came from another Earth and Peter Parker's on Earth 616? Which is a lie. He is not. I don't know what Earth the Cinematic Universe plays, but it's not 616. For those of you who don't know what the number 616 means in Marvel Comics, it's the main Marvel continuity. So, which is... I, I You saw me. I was having an fit like how dare you disrespect that number <laughs> i was just i was so blown away by it it was like i saw fuck, i saw did the fuck you say to me <laughs> now the route they went with mysterio well in a sense where it's like think about it like we all knew like quentin we- beck was gonna fucking betray spider-man at one point in this film we just didn't know how they were gonna approach it i mean it was obvious that Quentin Beck was going to be the main villain. Yes, yes, you're very right about that. I just, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping that they made him a hero. Like, low-key, I was kind of hoping, like, because that, that's a cooler route for him. And eventually, maybe something triggered him to be a villain. Like, oh, Spider-Man took the spotlight. Fuck this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But they didn't do that, which is even cool. Well, they kind of did that. In a sense, yes. In a, in a sense, they did do that, which was cool in all aspects, right? I love the fact that they made Quentin Beck the, not the the special effects artist, but he, going back to this callback thing, he was the man who made Tony Stark's therapy session, BARF. I forgot what the te- the acronym stood for, but he made BARF. Yeah. He made that therapy session. And, and it originally then, wasn't called BARF either, it was something else. And it was, it was supposed to be used to change mankind, but instead, Tony Stark used it as a therapy session. And I, it, in a sense, it could help mankind deal with their issues, but Quentin didn't see that way. He thought that Tony was just basically making fun of him, and then he got fired for Beck being unstable. I think it was the fact that he well, was upset. In a upset. sense, it's kind of ironic because look what it was used for. Yeah, no, it was a, it was such a. It, I I can see where you thought it would be a slap to the face, in all honesty, and that I thought was fucking great. So like Mysterio's origins, like it, like I said when. When Spider-Man first fights Mysterio for the first time and used all his illusions, it was such a great... That, I think, might be my favorite scene. Because uh, in the second appearance of Mysterio, um, Mysterio tricked Spider-Man into thinking he was tiny in a miniature city of New York City. And when Spider-Man gets knocked out by a giant Mysterio hand is a real big callback to the comics as well. Because me and you listen to variant comics, we know about this, so that's how I'm getting some of these facts now, but you see that little comic callback to see Spider-Man getting knocked around in a miniature city where Mysterio is 
obviously controlling. Yeah. So that I him being the master of illusions is just turned up to a whole new level in this film. And they did it differently with the fact that you know instead of having Mysterio be actually in the suit, they're using tech. Because I remember like even like from the animated series when you watch Mysterio, he's actually in the suit using his illusions with whatever he's using. Exactly. And here it's more like it's like virtual reality in a sense. It's it's not just and not just the reality itself that he's just fucking with everybody. Yeah. He's using all the tech from Tony Stark to basically make his master plan, make everybody believe that he is the hero of the story. Yeah, and in a sense he really was the hero of the story because we'll get to the end credit scene in a minute, but that was just a really big way of you know like I said, it turned Mysterio's serious level to a whole new caliber of holy fuck, this dude is the master of illusions. Like, he does not, he's not using special effects. He's using drones. He's using technology that Stark built, that Obadiah Stane yelled at the other tech for. I forgot, that dude eludes my name, but it is another callback to the first Iron Man movie. And you know what? I'm pretty sure everyone in that group was in a support they were in a support group. They had an AA for Tony Stark's fired employees. That's what it was. And when Quentin finally got uh, the glasses, what was the glasses acronym? Even in death, I'm the hero. Yeah. Well, Edith. Edith, yes, Edith. And when he got control of Edith, and that just took him to a whole new level of get off my level, bitch. I thought Edith was a very interesting concept to bring in. For Peter, I felt like he, in a way, it's kind of like his Karen's like a replacement for Karen. <laughs> I miss Karen, but I miss Suit Lady. Yeah, but uh, I feel like it, it was a, a cool little thing. In a way, they were trying to make it seem like, oh, we're gonna have Peter Parker become the next Tony Stark. But in reality, Peter just wants to be a high school kid. He doesn't want to be the next Tony Stark. He can never be the next Tony Stark. Even Happy said he can never be the next Tony Stark. He can only be Peter Parker. He can only be Spider-Man. And it's such a great thing. It's such a great thing for him to see. Because like we all know, it's hard to live up to a mountain. I can play to It's hard to live up to an expectation that you don't think you're ever going to really live up to. You know, so it's just... It's, it's a lot of mind games like playing with Peter. Like, oh, I have to be this guy. I have to be the next Iron Man. I have to take all this responsibility when in reality, you really don't. And the ones that keep pushing him the most is Nick Fury, who's on his case constantly telling him, you know, Stark chose you, prove, prove to me why he chose you, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Like, it's a lot of pressure for a kid. Yeah, know? especially at 16. Exactly. Well, technically, he's 21, but... Technically, but, you know, <laughs> we don't go up by Marvel's timeline. <laughs> Because your younger brother could be your older brother at this point, yeah, right? Now, right? So, right? That's true facts. True facts. So, yeah, no, like the whole concept of Peter having to live up to this expectation of being, being this guy. Like you don't really have to be. Like you have to just be yourself. And I think like at the end, where Happy is telling him, like, look, dude, Tony's been like this too. Tony second guessed himself every second of every day. The only thing he didn't second guess is. That giving you that suit and being Spider-Man. And then when he took the... He took the Iron Man kind of esque role... At, towards the end of the film... He was just... Tinkering with his stuff. And he was just like Iron Man. So in a way he lived up to being Tony's replacement. 
by being himself and not being who everyone wanted him to be. Which was honestly very, very nice to see. I enjoyed that scene a lot. It was it was pretty funny. Even the part about the fact that Happy played ACDC and Peter thought it was Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> I love Led Zeppelin. Oh my god. And it's so funny. I couldn't I couldn't help but just like, why are you like this? And he wouldn't get the Edith comment because it wasn't a Star Wars reference. That was... You know, uh, I was thinking about this while I was watching Far From Home. So Star Wars is canon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. and But the thing I was wondering is, is only the first... Four, five, and six canon, because if you look up, if you think about it, all the movies are they're only quote. I think they only did the Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. Empire what? Strikes Back with the walk is like you remember that really old movie called Star Wars. Or like the ones with the robots. With the ones with the snow planet. And uh, thinking about it, I was like, you got Samuel Jackson, who was a fucking Jedi, <laughs> and like being he, Nick Fury. Yeah, Nick Fury in this movie, like. Make a make a Phantom Menace joke. Make a purple lightsaber joke. I'm waiting for it. Exactly. Like I thought, I started thinking about that because I thought it was kind of funny. So maybe wonder like, are only the first four, five, and six of Star Wars films canon? <laughs> um, who knows? It's really. possible. It's honestly. it's possible. I mean, I they're think... all owned by Disney, so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting for there to be an alternate universe where Star Wars really exists. It it's possible. It's, it the multiverse has now been opened. You know what? Uh, I think you told me this that Tom Holland is open to a Spider Verse movie. Yeah, he's open. And getting Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield to come back, and I think that would be fucking fantastic. I love uh, Spider Man was the first, not the first superhero movie to come out back in the two thousands because in the nineties we had Blade, and then we had we got Spider Man and the Fantastic Four and Punisher so on and so forth. Dare Daredevil. Yeah. Ghost Rider. Yeah, we don't talk about the dark days. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. There's only, and you know what though, the first Punisher with Tom Jane has a special place in my heart because that movie is actually pretty solid. Uh, I've never seen the first Punisher movie actually. What? Now that I think about it, I really haven't. Yeah, it's a different take, but we'll talk about that later. Maybe that's a, that's something we could talk about here, here on Cinema Smokeography. It's such a hard. It's such a hard thing to say now because we. We've we've done you we've done the YouTube videos where we've done uh hookah and movie reviews. Now to call it something completely different is so weird to me. But it'll eventually roll off the timeline. Yeah, it's gonna like it, it took me a week to actually get to used to calling it cinema smokeography. And every time I tell people I'm like, Oh, I'm starting this and this is what I'm calling it, they're like, Oh dude, that's such a great name. That's so cool. I'm like, Thank you. Like I didn't come up with it, producer man Isaac did and like he's you're the brains of the operation for some of some of the better things. And when we have these production meetings and we go and do things, like we were even saying, like every time we really hang out, we're about work. But we make our work so much fun. Yeah, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. I, Anyways, back to the topic at hand. The final act. Oh my god, the final act. When Mary Jane, when, uh, when MJ found out who Spider-Man really was, I knew the whole time. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I also got to make a comment about them doing their version of the noir suit. Yes. I love that suit. That suit was so... I was missing the trench coat and the fedora. But it's okay. It's okay. No, like, I think... Because the Marvel, the Marvel movies have openly said, we're not direct interpretations. We are taking 
aspects of the comic books and bringing them into the movies into a whole new perspective, which is awesome in my in my personal opinion. I love how they did it each time. You know, they make it more and more interesting. It's their own take, and we get that. But sometimes playing by the book is okay too. You know. Yeah. No. 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 Like, and I think the Spider-Man Noir suit was such a great suit to add to there because it'd be a stealth suit to work for Nick Fury, and this is what you got to do. You know, and then the second Spider-Man suit was uh, we we had a comp, a very good conversation of what it really represented. You brought it back. It brought the Amazing Spider-Man look, where it was really dark in certain areas and made it look more black with a shade of blue and red. And I think that the final suit was more of a take on the Superior Spider-Man suit. And you made the clear, clear copy. It's not black on the waist down, or even the Scarlet Spider suit. You know, those two are very distinctive in that kind of look. So I did like the second. I like his new suit. And yeah, and looking back at the suits, like when he was looking at the programs for all the spider suits, you could see different nods to different spider suits. Yeah. That, that weren't exactly created yet, but they were ideas. And you could tell different callbacks to certain spider suits that have been talked about or seen throughout comic books. Yeah. I caught a couple of them. Like you can see the original spider suit, uh, Iron yeah. Spider suit in there. Yeah. And then the other version of the spider suit. Yeah, exactly. A bunch of different versions of spider suits. And there's been like, over a billion now at this point yeah. of different versions of spider suits. Spider punk suits actually probably one of the nice, the cooler ones. <laughs> Although I'm waiting for Peter to put on the Spider Gwen suit. Spider Gwen suit. Yeah, MJ's gonna sport it. That's my prediction. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good call, good way. Cause yeah, the, the suits were actually really done. Like, I you keep saying that your the Amazing Spider-Man two suit is your favorite Spider-Man suit. Yes, it is. Does it is it still your number one? It's after still seeing, my favorite suit. Still your favorite suit it's after seeing all these ones. Yeah, I mean, it's just my problem is the fact that the spider suits are dope. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, the, the Spider-Man Homecoming suit is okay. I just feel like they kind of did the bat the bat flick version of it, like where the small pit bull ears. And, the, and then, like, when you look at Spider-Man's, like, eyes, yeah. they're tiny, like, super tiny. Yeah, I can see that. And then, like, I don't know, it's like a nitpick thing, but at the same time, I'm like, it's a dope suit. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just, like, it looks like a cosplay outfit. It can, yeah, you're right. It does. It does. Even though like it's that. supposed to be, like, worth a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. And, like, yeah, it's, like, the same concept. Basically, all he did was add more webs to the, to the suit and then put it black and red yeah no no you're right you're and right no like, actually he didn't uh, he didn't change anything in this taser webs he just upgraded them I mean as far as like design oh okay yeah, yeah the design yeah. look it's more web looking compared to like the original spider suits yeah, and yeah. compared to his far from, excuse me his homecoming suit where you hardly really see that many webs it's more like yeah. a belt buckle and like you know yeah, it looks, yeah. looks kind of like a cosplay outfit but yeah. it's cool because it's his prototype suit in a sense, you know, I'm pretty sure you're gonna get even cooler suits as the. And you know what I really liked going back to the the first fight with Mysterio is how they even launched him into the homecoming suit and then launched him back into his original jumpsuit. Yes. It, what was it? His sweatpants suit. And it seems to me I like the way his his uh his suit looks when his eyes are open wide. Yeah. Compared real, to real comic book esque. Yes, it looks very comic book esque, especially at the end of the film, at the end of the credit scene. When he flips out, that looks more Spider-Man esque. Yeah, in my opinion, because his suit, his eyes always bulge out. Like even yeah. in the comics, even in like cartoons, they just keep bulging yeah, in and out. Bulging out, but here they're like they're closed in. Like yeah, and then when he makes his expressions, they're just opening up. Yeah. So yeah, I can see what you're talking about there. Like it's very, very comic book esque. Now, do you think 
Quentin Beck is dead. No, I don't. I, I don't think so either. It's a sense where it's kind of like... Edith said that, oh, all the illusions are gone, but think about it. This guy is basically a master illusionist, but at the same time, he's not really the illusionist. He's the one who, who created the illusions, who took the program. And yeah. I feel like they could do a route where he could be Mysterio next. I feel like Mysterio is more of a... In this sense, it's more like Mysterio is a, a creation. Not one person can be Mysterio. Quentin Beck is a made-up made name. It's not, his name's not really Quentin Beck. It wasn't, was it? No, no, no it wasn't. He, it, that's a persona he took on. Now, I, going back to... Now, it's like how... People may not know about this, but I just kind of learned about this while listening to the Death Battle cast, is, or even the de- in Death Battle, how Captain Falcon isn't really one person. He's a symbol. Exactly. He, it, and the same thing can be said about Mysterio. Mysterio could be Especially anyone. with the route that they took. This... Or even like the Red Hood. It's not just one person, because everyone, a lot of people have taken on the Red Hood persona. In a sense, kind of. But the, the more, most, the the most more common known. two are the Joker prior to becoming the Joker and the Red Hood is, you know, Jason yeah. Todd. Yeah, but like I was saying, especially with the route that they took at the end of the film, having, showing, you know, Quentin Beck showing off the footage of his altered footage of what happened at the end of the film and basically saying, like, oh, Spider-Man Tracy could try to kill me right now and then pretending like he's dead, but in a sense, maybe he really is dead. That character, that person that was portraying Quentin Beck is dead. Doesn't mean that Quentin Beck the symbol of who they created is dead. Is dead. So Mysterio could still come back because a couple other people have taken the name of Mysterio in the comics too. Uh, one, I forget the other name, but they're also, if you watch the Spy- Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon or the Web Warriors, Mysterio was Quentin Beck, but his daughter also took up the name Mysterio. So which could be leading to another Mysterio. I mean, and like, look at the Mandarin. We don't really actually have a Mandarin. Yeah, although I do have a theory who the Mandarin is, the original, the first, the person who took Tony captive in in the beginning. I, but yeah, you're right. Like the Mandarin is not one person. The Mandarin can and be I feel the like that's leader a kind of, of a, the Ten Rings. Like a thing that Marvel does in a sense where like, you know, we could bring characters back, but at the sense like they're using more of like a symbol figure. Like for instance, like we saw Scorpion, we saw Shocker, all them. We didn't see Scorpion. Yeah, we did. We saw two Shockers. Yeah, and we saw Scorpion. At the end. Oh, that's right. We did. He had the scorpion tattoo, and he was, he didn't get the suit yet. Yeah, but we saw a, a sign of scorpion, two yeah. shockers, and then a vulture. You know, just playing it off. But in a sense, like I feel like it's a Marvel thing to do, where they're like playing it off certain characters. But like I said about Mysterio, I feel like he's more like the symbol now. They're gonna treat him like a hero, and then once, you know, whatever yeah, happens. Speaking in about four, the that scene, the end credit scene where, you know. Peter Parker is Spider-Man and he killed me. Could we talk about J. Jonah Jameson? Oh, yes. Could we please talk about it? Yes. I, J- me and you had the biggest smiles on our faces when he came back. Oh my god, yes. There's only one man. J.J. himself. J. Jonah Jameson. J.K. Simmons is, replies to his role. As that is the best Easter egg I have ever had. In my entire life, I've like I love, like I've seen all kinds of stuff from Star Wars. I love you know I love Star Wars. You know there's a lot of callbacks to different things in Star Wars, but J.K. Simmons reprising his role as the most hated per- person who hates Spider-Man the very most. I was dying. I was so incredibly happy that n- everything else in the film 
Kingdom secondary, but that was the best. And J.K. Simmons actually reprised his role even in The Simpsons playing J. Jonah Jameson. So that, he's just, there's no other actor who can play that. Yeah. Going back to what Marvel does best. I mean, it's not like he's going to be Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> oh, Jim Gordon. <laughs> so why not come back as me, Mr. J. Jonah Jameson? Might as well, right? Like, yeah. come on. If you can be Commissioner Gordon and J. Jonah Jameson, what can't you do, J.K. Simmons? What can't you do? You know what? I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't even mention Oscorp at all. And that didn't play any kind of role. So, I've been wondering about this, like... Like, it's obvious that Ned is supposed to be an adaptation of what Harry Osborne is. Right. To Peter. Right. But I started feeling like, what if Ned's not... It's like his middle name and his real name's Harry. (laughs) (laughs) That would be interesting. I mean, look what they're doing with all the other shit, like... Yeah, they're taking all kinds of crazy liberties with everything, so I, it wouldn't be a stretch to have Ned eventually be the Green Goblin. Or just, you The know. son of Norman Osborn. Do we have Ned's last name? No, 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 no one actually we... ever really addresses what Ned's last name is. If they have, I don't remember. That's a good point. If someone can point that out to us, that would be fucking great. But I feel like they have, I just don't remember. Or, I don't know, but still, like, I started thinking about that too, like a little theory, like... What if this whole time, like, what if Ned's name is not really... His name, obviously, his name's Ned, but, I mean, like, his middle name's Ned and his hair. I thought his name was Ned Guy in the Chair. Yeah. But still, <laughs> well, actually, in real life, he's actually bald, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> Did they give him a wig? I, I don't know. I've been wondering the same thing. Does he just grow his hair off for this film and then shave it after? Maybe. I mean, because that's a really good wig, if that's the case. Yeah, for real. I think Ned, like Ned's, such great comic relief for yeah. this movie, and it's he was more comic relief in the in you know Homecoming, but this one he played more of a backseat kind of role with his relationship that broke off when the summer ended, because he's so wise. Yeah, but it's I don't know, it's pretty funny. I started thinking about that too, but I, it's it's kind of stretching it a bit. But you know, I mean, what what haven't they really done? They can do anything in Marvel now. Yeah, at this point, especially now with all the rights they're gonna have. Oh my god, fuck yeah, dude. They're gonna have so much. Okay, IMDb... No, Rotten Tomatoes... The Rotten Tomatoes score is a 92%, and the audience score is a 97%. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rate Far From Home? Among the other ones? No, as a solo film itself. As As a sequel to Homecoming. Um, I feel like it was better than Homecoming. Like I, like, I, like I had mentioned to you before, I felt like Homecoming was more of a film taking place in Iron Man's world compared to Far From Home, where it's more of a world com- in, with Peter. You feel like it, I feel like Peter took more of a back seat to Iron Man. It was still a, it was still a film about Spider Man, but having you know Tony Stark being more in into the film and you know taking away the suit from Peter and leaving him basically defenseless with his old suit that he was using to go s- stop crime. Mm-hmm. And basically, the whole rest of the film is just that. Right. And then he gets the suit back eventually, you know. Oh, you know, you get to be an Avenger because you did this and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I said. But then Far From Home, you know. Yeah, sure. You, you talk about Tony and all that stuff. But the idea of, you know, him, you know, basically taking up the mantle of Tony Stark, being the next Tony Stark and whatever else. It, it, it gave him more character development. It gave him more of a chance to grow in a sense where this film really paid more attention to the fact that we're not going to have it be just revolving around Tony Stark more about Peter Parker himself as a kid growing up you know trying to 
make it out into the world in a sense where this world is trying to survive and trying to come to an understanding of what happened after the whole Thanos thing. Mm-hmm. No, so on a scale of 1 to 10, you were going to say 10? I would say, yeah, it's about like a 9.5. 9.5? Why, why a 0.5? Because I, I feel like the next film will give me a 10. Because he's only done this five times. I think he's almost done with his contract. He's he was only scheduled for five or six appearances. Uh, he did uh, Civil War. He did Far From Home. He did Infinity War. Homecoming and Endgame. Home, and Homecoming and Endgame, and now Far From Home. So, Tom Holland is notorious for giving out spoilers. He's terrible, and he's even said there might be a third movie. So like, oh. You motherfucker, you lied to me. You extended your contract. How dare you do this to me? Well, I'm not even mad, but still. But yeah, like, but I give it like a 9.5, maybe. It's basically a 10. Yeah. It's a good film. It's not, it's not, it's not the best film in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, obviously. Yeah, because you know Captain Marvel is. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. It's obviously the Winter Soldier. But still, like, to me, like, overall, though, how would you rank this among the Spider-Man films that have been created? Out of all the Spider-Man films? Oh, shit. You know, out of all the Spider-Man films, I think my favorite Spider-Man film is always going to be Spider-Man 2. I feel like if you were to, like, everyone keeps talking about all the Spider-Man films and, like, ranking them all up, and I kind of have to agree with one little thing, though, even though technically some might, some might not actually agree with it, but at the same time, it's, like, it kind of makes sense to include it. I feel like Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man film. It is a, it's an amazing film. It's an Academy Award-winning film. I did love Into the Spider-Verse. But Does it replace Spider-Man 2 for me, personally? No, no, I don't agree that either, but as far as, like, a Spider-Man story... Since Spider-Man 2 will always be the greatest Spider-Man film of all time. I want right. to take that away. But the sense where, like, if you think about it, though, In the Spider-Verse has everything you need in a Spider-Man film, and it's not live action. I agree with that 100%. I loved... And then they gave Miles Morales his time to shine. And he's only been around a decade. And he's already got a film, like... What Marvel, what I don't really like about Marvel and what I'll give to DC is that Marvel takes such a long time to pass the mantle of a superhero over. Because look at Bucky Barnes and and Sam Wilson becoming Captain America. How long did it take for that? A lot. Too long. Too long. And Batman's been passed down several Robins. Batman's been passed on a couple times too. Yeah, but in a sense though, think about it though. Who have they always gone back to when they reestablished their job? Their main, their main characters, yeah. Peter Parker. You know. Yeah, but I'm talking about for a no, no, no. no yeah. yeah. For example, they go back to Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, yeah, and in the it. Ultimate Universe, Peter, Peter's. It's an alternate universe, right? In the main continuity, they always go back to Bruce Wayne. They always go back to Barry Allen. They always go back to you know. Yeah. One, well, I think Wonder Woman's only had one iteration. Yeah, which is like. Or, yeah. Oh, Green Lantern's another one, you know. Yeah, but uh, they always go back to Hal Jordan. Yeah. Although, uh, that's a bad example, but you see what I mean? There's a lot of comic books. But then again, like with the Green Lanterns, there's multiple Green Lanterns. So it's like, they all... But they all kind of center back towards Hal Jordan, regardless. Yeah, yeah but my favorite one will always be Jon Stewart. But... <laughs> He's such a great... Just because of Justice League, the animated series. Yeah, but anyway... I think that's really opened my eyes to the Green Lantern. Other than I, I never knew nothing about the Green Lantern until I like watched that, and I, pr- I was, until someone corrected me, I always thought John Stewart was the original. <laughs> I really did. I can see where you would think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really did on honesty, but yeah, no, 
Spider-Man 2 is my favorite Spider-Man film. How this one ranks up to the other ones, it's a, it's in the top five for sure. Yeah. I think it's like maybe number three on the list because into the, it's a tie between Far From Home and Into the Spider-Verse spot number two. Because you're right, it's everything we want in a Spider-Man film in animated form. For a lot of us, like for me, I, you, me and you different between how we watch com- comic book cartoons in the in the past. Yeah. I grew up watching Marvel. I watched the original Iron Man. I watched Spider Man, so, X Men. So did I. And then you watched a lot more of the Bat. I didn't really get into the Batman films I, until I, watched, I actually, I actually got watched it both simultaneously. Oh, did you? Yeah. So See, I, I didn't. I can't really say that I'm a full Marvel DC fan. Like as far as like in down the middle, I am in the sense where I'm not a full fledged DC fan. I'm more of down the middle, like I meant to say. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I grew up watching all that other shit, like The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that shit. Like, I love them all, you know, that's what I grew up on. It, to, for me, I honestly thought all the comic book characters, the world in the one, I didn't realize it was Marvel and DC. And then I, well, as I got older, I noticed, and then I discovered Batman the Animated Series because I was able to get Cartoon Network. So I was able to see those other characters and my like, holy shit, that's a thing. So, yeah, so for me, I'm a diehard Marvel fan. I love Marvel way more than I love DC. I, don't get me wrong, I love DC, and I think it's a, they have such great storylines, and their characters are too overpowered. They're yeah. basically guys. In a sense where, yes, I do love Marvel, but in a sense, I feel like I do, in a sense, love DC a little more than Marvel, but in a sense where it's like, just their characters have more development, in my sense. And you're right, they are a little overpowered. <laughs> a but, little? But at the same time, it's like, it's, I like the dark shit. You know? Yeah, and you know what? It's crazy because everyone had brings us up Marvels for kids. Have you not read any Daredevil comics? Oh my god, yes, exactly. Like, yeah, like the that's why. Like, perfect example is like the Marvel Netflix series. You know, people, the ones that got it all canceled were the ones that didn't like the fact that it was so mature. But in a sense, like half of the comic book genres in Marvel were all mature. Yeah, the, and even Spider Man's got some dark ass stories. Exactly. There's Craven's the last hunt. Craven's the last hunt is one of the greatest adaptations of Spider Man ever created. Yeah, no, that was the dark. I that was one of his darkest. The one last day with Aunt May was is a sham. Uh, the story where Spider Man is old, so basically like the old like the Dark Knight Returns storyline for Spider Man, yeah. where we find out Mary Jane Watson died of uh, radioactive cum. <laughs> that's I think that's such a funny way to die, but also very serious. But it's just kind of and hilarious. also one of the other interesting stories was the fall of Gwen Stacy. Oh my god, that one hurt me. That one hurt me, and then when I saw it on film, I'm like, oh, that one hurt even more. It was, uh, when, going back to Amazing Spider-Man 2, though, that was a scene that did not need to happen, but based on what yes, she was it wearing. Did. Yes, it did. It did, but at the same time, it didn't have to happen the way it did. There was... She did not need to crack her head open. I'll give you that. But, in a sense, like, as soon as I saw what outfit she was wearing, I recognized her right away, and I knew exactly what route they were going with. <laughs> oh, they're killing the bitch. She's done. Yep. Oh, no, no, no. I agree with you. That's and it. I honestly felt like they honestly could just went with the rod of the fact that they could have just still kept Emma Stone and just have her put a red wig on and just use her natural hair color. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I would, no one's going to notice. No one's even going to fucking care. Exactly. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But no, I mean, Far From Home is a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's such an awesome movie. I... I'll I'll give it a ten out of ten. I love that movie to death. It's it's one of my be- favorite Marvel films. Now when I go when me and you have our little smoke session, kickback, uh, hanging out sessions, we're gonna try to rank these movies again, like we do almost every time a Marvel movie comes out. Yeah. Oh my goodness. 
it's it's a great film. I enjoyed it a lot. It's up there with my favorite, one of my favorite Marvel cinema. I, I agree. You know, it's it has a lot to. You look- know, actually, Venom was the greatest Marvel movie ever. <laughs> if it was based in the nineties. <laughs> Did get Blade around for its money. But uh, yeah, it's up there. It's it's. I feel like Tom Holland could only get better. Yeah, I want to see Tom Holland do more. And I hope that Marvel and Sony come to more agreements where they can have Tom Holland do it. But it seems that that's we're running low on time. The meter's running red, so I think that's it. You think so? I think so. <laughs>